I could have gone pro. And if you've seen the movie, it's, it's hilarious. But uh, he eventually does get a time machine. <laughs> and it's, I can't write it. You just got to look it up. It's just the funniest thing in the world. But he does, get, he does order a time machine from the internet. I don't recommend that. It's <laughs> but what, what is, uh, what's the uncle's problem? His problem is he's living in the past. And uh, it's a difficult, the, the, the this is difficult for me to do because like I'm a history major. I, like I love the past. Um, and history professors, they'll tell you that there is value in, in, in history because you can learn from the past. They, they tell you that, but it's completely untrue. I mean, you might get lucky. You might get lucky and learn some things from the past. You might get lucky and learn some things from, from history. But it, it's, the future is unpredictable. There, there, is, there, it's, it's, there are too many variables to say, all right, I, I had this experience in my past, therefore I'm going to have the same outcome in the future. It's impossible to do. And an honest history professor will tell you, yeah, there, there is no value in becoming a history professor. And there is nothing, there's nothing that you can apply to your life or to society. It's purely academic, but you really can't, you can't learn anything from history. It's tough. It's, it's tough stuff. I mean, obviously, you can learn stuff from the Bible. Um, but, yeah, history, is, it's a wild card, folks. We just don't know. And the thing that really, one of the things that traps us in our spiritual growth, one of the things that keeps us moving forward is that we get stuck in the past. And it's actually, it's impossible to navigate our future. It's impossible to see the possibilities of future outcomes when we are tied to our past. And specifically when our past, okay, this is, this is where it becomes very dangerous. You need to pay attention to the specific point. When our past leads to or determines our identity, that's where the danger comes in. Because what's the uncle's identity? His identity is completely tied up into the past, into him being the football star. And then he begins to uh, build an imaginary world around his past and what could have happened if the coach would have put him in in the fourth quarter. What could have, would have, should have. And these are the things that kill us. They drag us down. These are these, these, these regrets that we continue to live in the past. Oh, I could have, I should have, I would have, if this person only would have treated me right, if I would have only gotten this break, if this relationship only would have worked out in my favor, then I would be in the hot tub with my soulmate. Right? <laughs> things would have been different. I would have gone pro. All right, we need to take a look at what the Bible says about it, and specifically what Paul says about it. Um, before we get there, though, uh, military folks, do we have military guys in here? All right, got a couple. All right, good. All right, so the military, uh, they have what they call an action review. You guys are familiar with action reviews? So uh, whenever you're engaged in something or whether you're in training or something, you have to ask these three questions. Uh, uh, in the action review, you need to ask what happened, why it happened, what was the cause, what happened and why it happened, and then third, what can I do to improve upon it? 
So in, in essence, that's the only value that we can add to our history is, all right, what, what can I do to improve upon my situation? And if we're not thinking in that, with that dynamic, with that paradigm, what can I do to learn and to actually improve this situation, then you're stuck in the past. You want to stay there. You don't want to break free from the past. Biblically, it looks like this. Biblically, number one, it says you need to acknowledge what happened. You need to know the truth about your history. Yeah, I think you do need to review your history, but you need to acknowledge the truth about what happened. Because what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. And maybe the truth is, yeah, the reason why the coach didn't put you in the fourth quarter is because the truth is you stink, right? <laughs> that could be the truth. And, and we, not, we're not, we won't acknowledge the truth that maybe we are deficient in certain areas or maybe we weren't the right person at the right time and we will choose to believe a lie about the situation, and that lie will hold us in bondage. But the truth will set us free. So you have to acknowledge the truth about your situations. It takes a real hard, honest look at ourselves. And it's difficult to do because it's painful, right? We don't want to admit our flaws and our weaknesses and our insecurities. We just don't want to do it. But we have to know the truth because the truth will set us free. Okay, number two, you need to learn from those mistakes. Uh, Proverbs 24, 32, it says, when I saw, okay, when I saw, when I, when, I, when, I, when I saw the truth in my life, he then says, I reflected upon it, okay, so you have to reflect upon it, okay, this happened, why did it happen, why, what's going on, why did that take place, reflect upon it, and then it says, I looked, and then I received instruction, I received instruction, Okay, and then the first one, which we don't like, is that, okay, what can I do to improve biblically is, how do you adjust your behavior? How do you adjust your behavior? Like, if you had failures in the past, if you're stuck in the past, and you can't get out, and you keep reliving the same thing over and over and over again, if you keep repeating the same problems over and over again, Okay, how do you adjust your behavior? There's another biblical word for that. It's called repentance. How do you repent from that behavior? Okay, there's salvation repentance. We know that, right? There's, there's the godly sorrow that, re- that leads to repentance. Oh God, I'm so sorry for living such a terrible life. I repent of my actions. I turn around and I go the other way. So there's that salvation repentance. But believers, we've got to know, we have to have it ingrained in us that repentance is a lifestyle. Like, I repent daily. I have to. I have to continue to adjust my behavior, change the way I think, and that is repentance. And there's nothing, there's no, there's no shame in repentance. I mean, unless I was doing something really naughty, Right? But most of it, in the mature Christian life, most of it is little tweaks. It could be tweaks in our behavior. It could be tweaks in how we think. Like some of us actually literally need to repent about the way we use our mind, how we think. And adjust our brain. Okay? Um, Okay, so right now it's the first week of February, right? We've gotten through January. January was amazing. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing on your New Year's resolutions? (laughs) I know. Oh, you've already forgotten about them, right? You've already crashed and burned. All right, let's do it again. Let's think about last year. 
how was your year last year? Like, if your year was a movie, what would be the major theme? Was it all drama? Was it tragedy? Was it comedy? Right? What was, like, how can you describe your year last year? Are there things that you want to continue to hold on to? Like, I've earned this pain in my life, or I really want to keep this memory because it was a lot of fun. So what are these things in our lives that, like, if, it was, if, your, if your last year was a movie, what was it? Was it a drama? Was it a comedy? Was it a documentary? What was your, what was your life? All three. All three, huh? Right? Man. <laughs> That's a horror flick. All right? <laughs> All right. This is what Paul does. Paul tells us not to look back. Paul... Paul says, don't look back. Does he say, learn from your history? Yeah. But, but specifically, over and over and over again, he says, don't look back. That's not your identity. I gotta say it again. Don't look back. It's not your identity. You are not your past. Yet you might be paying the consequences of your past. You might be dealing some stuff because of your past. But what the Word of God says is that you are not your past. What is today? Today is a a new day. Today is a new day. We are new creations, and we can become a new creation each and every day. So how does he say it? How does he frame it out? All right, let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. You know what? I'm going to skip up a little bit because I think it's important. Let's go uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put into confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. The dude's a stud. I mean, he is faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for who the sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I gain. You might say garbage. Okay, rubbish. Uh... If you have an accurate Bible, it's going to say refuse. If you have a pure translation, if you have the Aramaic or the Greek, it's going to say dung. It's going to say dung heap. I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to keep it clean. But I've spent a lot of time studying the you know, uh, biblical exposition and the, what what these expositors say, that we have to be true to the text, and we can't read what we want to read into it. And what is being, what is being communicated very clearly by Paul is some very strong language. 
It's dung. Everything that I have, all these great things, all these things that I did in my past, it's a dung heap compared to the grace of God. Aren't you proud of me that I'm not saying bad words right now? I mean, you must be proud. Because if I was the junior high pastor, I'd be saying all kinds of stuff. I'd have a, have a great time with this, you know, the shock and awe sermon. But that's the true translation of it. Garbage does not do this first justice. And to be a true expositor of this text, most likely Paul was in a Roman prison He's attached to the house of Caesar at this time. He's in communication with the house of Caesar. So most, most theologians believe that he was in the Roman prison, which means that he had a lot of illustrations laying around him. Does that make sense? And Philippians is the book of joy. Amazing. All right. Uh, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, through the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. When was the last time you said that one? Becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, to obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. I press, uh, I press on to take hold for which Christ Jesus took hold for me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but I do one thing, but one thing I do. Pay attention, underline, this is it, folks. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. One thing I do, one of Paul's major secrets to the success of his life, through the breakthrough, through that area where he gets that peace that transcends all understanding, which he's going to refer to in chapter 4, what does he do? He forgets everything in the past. And he's got a lot of baggage, folks. He's got a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of pain. Most likely, this rabbi's wife left him because he became a Christian. He gave up everything. Prestige, wealth, power. He gave it all up to be with Christ. So he's got a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of things to forget about and to leave behind. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is head. That's hard to do, huh? To have a vision for the future means that you have to strain for it. You have to work for it. You have to break away from these, these ties that we have to our past. It's hard. It's hard mental work to forget your past. And it's even harder to strain forward to the future. I press on. Toward the end zone. (laughs) To win the Super Bowl. For which God has called me heavenward in Christ. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. That's a good question. Right? 
All of us that are mature in Christ, our, uh, our seasoned saints in the church, we've been here a long time. What's the mindset? Are we straining forward ahead? Or are we living in the past? Um, do you have the prize in mind? Are you after, are you in it to win it? Are you going for the gold? All of us are that are mature should take such a view of things. And if, if on some point you think differently, that to God will make it clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already have attained. Isn't that an amazing statement? That we have to actually live up to what we have already attained. So you guys, you've already won the victory. Do you know that? Amen. Like we've already won. Like the day that you stepped across the line of faith, you won the victory. Now you just have to live up to it. You have to realize that ah, I have already received it. Your body might be broken. You might have a disease. You might have a hernia. You've already been healed. All you have to do is receive it. Interesting thought, huh? Yeah. It's already been done. It's already been accomplished. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take hold of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like him in his glorious body. Amazing. I'm going to add this part just because I can. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with you, Mike Maglio, and I plead with you, John Sullivan. They're the two football fans in our church. They don't, they're different teams. That's all I meant. <laughs> that, that, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. Just get along. All right, so how do we do it? Um, in this and what we read, there's actually, I got five points. All right, the first is that how do you break from the past? What we just read, the text that we just focused on, how does Paul break from the, fat, the, the past? Because again, he's got a big, impressive past to break from, doesn't he? he it's a lot. How does he do it? Number one, he gains a proper perspective. Gains a proper perspective of where he's at, his circumstances, but more importantly, what he has. So he's able to put value where value is deserved. And where is his value? Where does he find his value? Where does he find his self-worth? Where does he find his identity? Verse, uh, I think it's seven. Because of the surpassing worth, can you get that? The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. 
the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And then he continues, everything is rubbish, right? Everything is garbage. Everything is dung in contrast to the value and the worth of Christ Jesus in me right now. I'm willing to give everything else up. That's how valuable Jesus is to me. Everything else, all the glory, maybe even the marital bliss, it's all garbage compared to, to what he's got. All right, uh, another way to think about it. If you're living in your past, and this is so easy to do. When we live in the past, we think that the good old days are the good old days, right? They weren't that good, folks. They really weren't. I mean, whenever I, I, I catch myself wanting to, to time travel, right, to go back in time and to live in the past, maybe to revisit high school, right, or to re revisit college, and if I, if, I was, if I could only do college again, boy, things would be different. I forget how bad college was. I forget how miserable high school was. It is better for me to be here right now um, with the mindset of having, okay, ready for, write this down, the mindset of present future, okay? It, that, that's the key, is you have to live in present future. You do, have to, you do have to be aware of what is going on right here and right now. You have to be present. You have to be aware. You have to know who's standing in front of you. You have to know where God's at in the room. You have to be very clear of, of what is going on around you right here in the present, but also what could take place in the future because everything is active. And here's the unfortunate truth. God changes stuff all the time. He's, he's an active, creative God. And we think, you know, we think about, okay, well, I got saved, and this is how it was when I got saved, and it was amazing, and God was on the move. And, and, and if you have that mindset where all you're, you're just focusing on the, the glory days of when you first got introduced to Christ, you haven't matured. I'm telling you something, folks. He's in the room. And God is just as real and powerful and transforming where you're at right now in your maturity than it was when you got saved. He can be just as powerful. Remember when you stepped across the line of faith? You remember how vulnerable that was? How much you had to surrender? How much you had to risk? You had to, you had to shed away things. You had to completely give your life to God. It was a big deal. It was very difficult for you to make that decision. And you got saved. But to continue to move into the kingdom of heaven, to continue to function in God's kingdom, it requires the same amount of risk than the day that you got saved. Um, I'm going to tell you this, not because I want to brag about myself. I want to tell you just to encourage you. Because I know God wants to continue to push me forward into more maturity. And so, like one of the areas that God is moving in my life is in the words of knowledge. This year I'm 100% accurate. I haven't missed a one. Um, hard fought for, folks. Because I've crashed and burned and I have failed and I've embarrassed myself a lot a lot. But you see, I want 
the prize. I want to, I want the, the elemental things of, of the faith, which Paul get, talks about some more, the, 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 the elemental things of the Christian faith that, that we can get stuck in. We can get stuck on the, this is going to sound really weird, but we can get fixated too much on the cross, too much on our salvation. Folks, you're saved. You need to move forward into kingdom. There's more. And what I'm saying is that you too, if you have character, if you have perseverance, if you're willing to risk and if you're willing to step out, you too can lay hands on the sick and they will get well. You too, if you have character and if, you have, if you're willing to have God's heart for people, you too can get words of knowledge that are accurate. If you don't have character, if you are selfish, you can get words of knowledge that can hurt people. I don't think they're words of knowledge. You might think that they're words of knowledge, but they're not. You have to have, that's what Pastor talked about during the announcements, you have to love people in order to receive God's word for them. Does that make sense? And our, our natural inclination is to, uh, I want to fix people because they're annoying me. That's the last time, you, you will crash and burn. I know from personal experience, because I was a youth pastor, and these kids annoyed the heck out of me, and I was going to give them words of knowledge. They weren't words of knowledge, they were guilt and shame, and it worked, it did, it worked. This is, this is, I'm joking around here. It, it, it worked because guilt and shame, it just, I don't know, but it didn't work. It didn't work. Move on to the more mature things of Christ, tapping into God's kingdom, into heaven. All right, let's continue to go. All right. Number two is you've got to get a fresh vision. In order to break from the past, you've got to get a fresh vision of, from the, for the future. This rhema word of God. He's always changing. He's always moving. You know, the word that you've got 10 years ago isn't, probably isn't good anymore. I mean, yeah, at some point, the seed does die, folks. I'm after the playground because I don't think the seed's dead yet. But if, if I, I don't know, if I ignore it for another five years, the seed's going to die, right? So I'm after the rhema word of God, the living, active word of God. And you have to have vision for this stuff. You have to see it in the future. Um, Isaiah says it beautifully. This is Isaiah 43, 18 through uh, 19. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Okay? Same thing that Paul's talking about. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. And then he says this, see. You have to get vision. See. Underline C in your Bible. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. You have to get vision for the new thing. You have to let go of the old thing. And I know what you're thinking, but God was all over the old thing. Yeah, but that was the old thing. He's doing the new thing, and this is where God's at right now. God's on the new thing. He's not on the old thing anymore. You've got to let go of that old thing. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Isn't that amazing? Okay, there's the question. God is doing a new thing. Do you, can you perceive it? Can you see it? Do you know where God's at? Can you see him active? He's doing a new thing. Are you able to perceive it? Are your eyes open? Are your ears open? Are you able to discern where he's at? It takes prayer. All right. Number four is that you have to gain some hope. 
Like in order from, to break from the past, you actually have to have hope for the future. And hope is a hard thing. It's one of the major things. Faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. But hope is in there for a specific reason because we have to have a hope of glory. We have to have a hope for the future. It says, I am making a way in the wilderness. This is the continuation of Isaiah. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So you've got to have this hope for your future that God will make a way and there will be streams and that there will be provision. But Pastor Josh, I am so broke. You have to have hope that you will have provision someday. You've got to get that vision inside of you. Okay, number three. Okay, this is fun. Number three, you've got to be in it to win it. In order to break from the past, to break those mindsets of dwelling in the past, you do have to be in it to win it. That means you have to have a winning mindset. It is okay to want to be a winner and be a Christian. We think that that's humility, but we think that, well, I can't be a winner because I have to be humble. That's false humility. And, and false humility is just another expression of pride or self-pity. Okay. Okay, God wants us to win. He really does. Yeah. Well, Pastor Josh, I thought they said, you know, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Yeah, sure, but God's kingdom is all weird. It's all upside down. It doesn't make any sense. But the bottom line is that we are all called to be winners in God's kingdom. And specifically, when we are, when we are growing and we are maturing in Christ, when we are tapping into our identity, you've got to have a winning mindset. You can't get stuck on your failures at the cross. I mean, like, you can only repent of your sins so many times, folks. Like, you've done it, you've done it, you've been there, you've done that, God's forgiven you. He doesn't remember your sins. The only person that remembers your sins anymore is you. The Bible's very clear. I don't remember them. I have erased them from history. That's how God views our sins. Like, he doesn't see them anymore. He's obliterated them. They don't exist. They're not a part of reality. Yet, for some reason, we have the ability with our minds to recreate our past, to recreate our sins. He says, don't do that. Okay, be in it to win it. You've got to win the prize. And you guys know this verse. This is great. Because in order to, in order to have a winning mindset, you have to be disciplined. All right, there's the word we don't like. Athletes are disciplined. They, what do they do? They train. Uh, people that go on to higher education, professors, what do they do? They train, and they train, and they train, and they study. Why is it, why is it any different for us as believers? Hmm? Like if Sophia gets D's and F's in third grade, she's going to flunk. But does that happen here at Sunday school? I mean, think about that. Everybody in Sunday school gets promoted. I mean, wouldn't that be a weird thought to think about, like if you actually failed somebody in Sunday school? <laughs> right? But why doesn't it apply? I, I don't... We, but see, Paul's very specific. You have to be in it to win it. What does he say? He says you've got to have this self-discipline. Okay, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? All right, that, okay, we're all, we're all called to run. And runners, what do they do? They run. And how do they run? They run 
but only one gets the prize. Okay, that's not fair. That's not very democratic. I thought all, all the kids get a trophy nowadays. <laughs> that's not kingdom either, folks, right? Only one gets the prize, but we are all to have the mindset that I am going for that prize. That doesn't seem right to be, to be Christian, right? It is. Do it in a selfish way? Of course not. But we all should run the race to get the prize. How fast can you run up the stairs? Pretty fast. Are you willing to push somebody over to get up? I mean, no, no, that's not the point. Run in such a way as to win and get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games, they go into strict training. They do not get a crown that will last, but they get a crown that will last forever. Um, Paul goes on to say in verse 27, so he's talking about running this race kind of as an illustration, right? It's It's an illustration. It's a spiritual illustration. But this is really interesting. In verse 27, you know what he says? It's probably the most deepest spiritual theological utterance that Paul ever gives. He says, I work out. (laughs) He does. He's like, you have to be spiritually strong. You have to run this spiritual race. But then Paul takes it into the natural, and he says, I work out. I make my body my slave. Isn't that awesome? I think it's interesting. I make my body my slave. That should be like a... You know, like a CrossFit t-shirt. My body's my slave, right? (laughs) But see, that's the mindset that he has. Okay, the next point is very close to it. But it's different. The next point, number five, is that we have to choose to be all in. Okay? We have to have the mindset to win. But the last point is you have to choose, choose to be all in. If you want to change your past, you you have to choose to be all in to win the future. It's a choice we make. You're saved. Probably most of you in the room are saved. I, we know this because we try to do a halter call every Sunday. And I don't know, we, same, we, we save the same person every week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're, you're saved. Most of us are saved, I believe. Okay, God's calling us into maturity. And I want to tell you something. There's a difference between salvation grace and empowering grace. Hmm? God's calling this church into an empowering grace, meaning that you are going to move further up and further in in the kingdom. In order to do so, you have to be all in. You have to, you have to get rid of all the things in the past. You have to actually do what Paul did. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was the ultimate Pharisee. As, as, as regards to righteousness, I was flawless. I was perfect. And you have to be able to say this like Paul does. All that stuff was dung, a big dung heap compared to what I have now. And because of that, because of what Jesus has done, I am all in. I can give up everything. Nothing has hold of me anymore. Nothing is, nothing is going to put me in bondage. Yeah, I might be in a Roman prison chained to a, chained to a column sitting around gross stuff. I'm all in. Okay, Jesus says it like this. Jesus says in Luke 9, 62, he says, okay, ready? This is, this is so, I just love Jesus. I just love Jesus. He's got the way of words. He says it like this. 
No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about salvation, folks. Okay, if you want to be of service in the kingdom of heaven, meaning, what I believe, functioning in the kingdom of heaven, like, you want to be 100% accurate in words of knowledge? You have to be all in. You want to lay hands on the sick and see them well? You have to be a person of character, and you have to be all in. You want to see that supernatural breakthrough in your finances, in your marriage, in your life, if you want favor at the workplace, if you want God's favor and man's favor, you have to be all in, meaning that when you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back. You don't return to Egypt. You don't return to your barf and eat it. That's in the Bible too. I don't, why do we like to eat our own barf? Why do, we turn, why do we return to our own vomit? We do it over and over again. It's disgusting. Don't do that. He says, if you want, and the context of this, the context of Luke is he's specifically talking to his disciples. He calls them out. One guy says, hey, I want to follow you. Jesus says, okay, follow me, but you can't go home. And, and Well, I want to say goodbye to my family. He said, you can't do it. You got to be all in. Oh, Jesus, I want to settle up my affairs. I want to make sure that my accounts are right. No, nope, you can't do it. You got to be all in. If you want to function in the kingdom of heaven, you got to be all in. What happens next is he commissions the 72 or the 70, depending on which Bible you read, he commissions them off to, to, to change the world, to literally change the world. When, G, when Jesus commissions the 70, the 70 represent the nations. Did you know that? Because it's referenced in Genesis. 70 is the number of the nations. And when they came back, most of them failed. Actually, most of them denied Christ at the end. So they weren't in it to win it. Isn't that tragic? All right, I gotta get the band to come on up here. As they're on their way up. Jesus, as we know, was in it to win it. He was all in for us. It is the surpassing grace of the cross. Is it the elemental things that you just talked about, Pastor Josh? Yeah, it is. I'll go after the mature things of Christ, but in every message, we're also going to talk about the elemental things of Christ. Every message that I do, we're going to preach gospel, meaning that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins so that we could live life and live it to the full. Jesus was all in. He had, a, he had a brief moment, and he actually had to choose to be all in. The Garden of Gethsemane, you know, God, if you can make this cup pass before me, let's do it. If there's another way, let's do it. But I choose to be all in. Why? Because I love these guys, because I love you. He becomes all in because of that. So, again, what does it look like for us? I, I, you got to put your hand to the plow. You can't look back to the past. You gotta throw a Hail Mary. I don't mean that in the Catholic sense. I mean that in the football sense, right? You gotta throw that Hail Mary. You gotta be all in. All right, let's pray. If I could have the ushers come to the front.
Heavenly Father, we want to be, we want to continue just to move into maturity. We want to, we want to accept the truth in our lives. We want to know what happened and why it happened. And God, we want to repent of wrong thinking, of wrong behavior. And God, right now, I just pray that you would just move us into a higher state of glory, God, where the things of the past, they, the ties of the past, they will no longer hinder us in our future, God. I pray that you would just break those bonds of living in the past, of saying that, oh, if I could have, I should have, I would have, if this only would have happened, then my life would be different. God, I pray today that we will come to the realization that today is a new day and that our past does not define who we are. Our identity is in you. Pray that you bless this offering in your name, Lord Jesus.